You're listening to the Channel Mastery Podcast, where business leaders in outdoor recreation learn what's working today to reach, engage, and convert their target audiences on the channels they prefer. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verity Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Tune in every week here on Channel Mastery to learn how to earn your consumer's attention and how to build the all-important emotional connection to your specialty brand. Thanks for listening and subscribe today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I have been working on landing this guest for so long, and she is finally here with us today. Welcome to the show, Allison Tetrick. Woo! Woo-hoo! Party! <laughs> oh, sorry. I bring the so- party. <laughs> yes, you do. It is so great to have you on today. And here we are at the very start of December of the close of an, an absolutely gigantic year for you. First of all, congratulations on everything professionally and personally that you have lived through this year and lived with and grown with. And I just am so you're beaming. It's so wonderful to see. <laughs> it's been a hard year, but it's also been just miraculous with so many huge highlights of love and laughter and community. So I'm very oh, that's a perfect way to put it. And so, you know, this show, we talk about a lot of things. And number one, we talk about, you know, understanding our consumer and, you know, building those communities around our brands. And, and you really have such, I think, a thoughtful approach to this. We're going to share all of your handles in, in the show notes here today, which everybody will be able to see. But I was really excited to have you come on and talk about a number of topics ranging from Tour de France Femmes to talking about, you know, the state of influencers and athletes and, you know, really just like as we're heading into a new year with a lot of uncertainty and probably a lot of opportunity if we're willing to take some calculated risks as both creators and brands, a lot of great things ahead. So with that, I would love it if you could just give a little bit of an introduction on yourself and some background and we can get right into the meat of the convo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. We have known each other for several years and worked in multiple different capacities in PR and marketing. So as an athlete, and with some of my clients throughout the years. So it's always a pleasure. I'm Allison Tetrick. Uh, I am, I'm a professional cyclist. Yes, you are. I started racing back in 2009. My grandfather got me into the sport at the age of 60. So folks that are listening, it's never too late. Um, he was an incredible role model in my life. Uh, biochemistry major, master's of science in clinical psychology. I'm a traumatic brain injury survivor. And as I was racing all around the world, the highest levels, I maintained a career shocking women cycling at that time and still struggling to make enough money, but we're getting much better now, which Chris and I will definitely touch on in a bit, but, um, I maintained a career, but it turns out you can't actually work in the lab as a biochemist while traveling and racing for team USA. So I ended up in marketing advocacy and biotechnology for a company called Amgen which yes, did sponsor the Amgen tour of California, which I know our paths crossed there as well. Mm -hmm. But, and then I found gravel after doing all that. And um, so now work a lot in the uh, still biotechnology space, endurance sports space, and then race and try to just advocate for equality and fun and health on bikes, as well as innovation in our beautiful industry. It is such a beautiful industry and community. And one thing I have to say about you is you lift people up, (laughs) whether we're following you on Twitter, you know, and we, again, we will share all of the great things that you're involved in, but you're, you're doing so many things from an advocacy standpoint and you don't 
call yourself out for it a lot. You just do it. It's who you are. And I feel like that's why community just rallies around you and grows. And so we're going to get into a lot of that today because you stepped into, I think, such an exciting leadership and high visibility role around women's cycling this year, specifically on the Move podcast. Can you talk with us a little bit about how that all came together, some of the things you were thinking about when you were making that decision. I was delighted to see it, but I know that there were probably a lot of like careful things that you thought about going into that and looking at the opportunity that that Lance Armstrong gave you on his show and the reach that he has. And just, oh, I love how you show up and you just are literally a force on that show. So tell us about that whole experience and then we'll get into some of the other, you know, exciting aspects of that. Yeah. My husband definitely probably um, is a little scared of my force sometimes, right? Because I knock things off a table like a domest- <laughs> like a house cat, right? Like I'm just a force <laughs> of nature in the house. So good thing he cleans up after me. Um, and, and so with cycling though, to back that up just a bit, like cycling, and I have this phrase I use that if anyone will take video snippets later, but I'm a very expressive person. I have a lot of passion and I'm a bit of a tornado. Um, at times and also very laser focused at others. But with cycling is my expression. And I say like bikes are my expression and good thing. I like expressing myself and that's taken me all over the world. And, you know, with the launch of gravel and winning all these gravel races, and I have known Lance for a long time and he can be polarizing. I understand that. However, the platform to showcase women cycling to me I was so excited to be able to not only work on the project with Zwift to come up with this whole new rules campaign and hashtag watch the farm. And we can dive into that in a second, which I'm just super excited about. But this was women cycling like no one's seen it in a very long time, if ever. And it was showcased gloriously. And for me to be able to tell the stories of the athlete, increase fandom for women's cycling and bring viewers that have only known the Tour de France being a bunch of dudes racing around to being something so much bigger and everybody is doing it was very powerful for me and an incredible opportunity to showcase something I love and support women cycling and to give it to an audience that might not have watched it previously on, I think one of the world's biggest stages we've ever had. Oh, absolutely. And I thought the way that you, that the three of you orchestrated the shows was fabulous. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how you prepared for that, you know, the three of you, like how did the three of you come together? You know, I'm, I'm really curious about that. And also I just want to give a shout out to Lance Armstrong. I listen to all of his content. I think he, he does a really good job. And I feel like you could almost hear like a sense of nervousness in his voice when he first started to introduce you to his, to his community and his, his audience. But then like you two just have such a great chemistry that it really just immediately you were a fit. And I feel like that was a big part of growing fandom into his huge audience, you know? So it really took a lot of courage for you to just go in exactly as you are. And I really just have a lot of admiration for him for just trusting you to be exactly who you are. And it really just was a perfect fit. It was great. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it um, did take a lot of courage. I did call some very pinnacle partners of mine to make sure this was, you know, all great. And I mean, it is on a great platform, which showcases what I love and how I can get more women and equality in our sport. So that was really important. And I'm just kind of unapologetically me. Yes, I would like to apologize, but I can't. And like, we're just kind of, we bicker. Lance and I just bicker back and forth. I think he likes my husband more than me, but 
you know, my husband's much safer in this. He puts like, yeah, but if I'm not on my game, he will definitely be like, come on now. Like, you know, cause I'm like, oh, but somebody on the internet said this, I'm scared. And he'll be like, just be you. I was like, yeah. so, I mean, he's very encouraging to own, own my truth, own who I am. Even if we bicker, like we're 12 years old, but that is our dynamic. And Mari Holden is our other co-host on the show. And Mari was actually my team director at one point and Olympic medalist, world champion in cycling. She's incredible. And she's just kind of the point of reason. She's just, she she's was so a grounding like, force. Yes. yes. So if you guys ever watch, if, if anyone's interested in watching the move, um, last year, the eight stages of the Tour de France Femme Vex Swift, we were mixing up like where we should sit. Cause at first we're like, Lance should sit in the middle. Oh no, I should lead it. And then like, eventually we're like, Mari needs to sit in the middle and separate Lance and I was like, <laughs> it's good awesome. energy, but it's funny. <laughs> like too close to each other. We're like poking, hitting. But I thought that the insights that you all brought were super complimentary. I learned a ton and I will tell you the best part for me, and I'm fangirling here, was your passion. Like you were literally wearing your emotion on your sleeve. And like, I literally could get a little teary right now. There were so many moments during the coverage, Allie, where I was just like watching and experiencing you see this dynamic transformation happen in this community that you love globally you know, you know, these cyclists so well, you're talking about them and you, you're giving us little snippets of, of who they are as people and how incredibly talented they are and how they have to work super hard to be there and hold jobs down until recently, et cetera. I felt all of that. I felt it in the audio and the video and that alone, I thought was just a blessing and a gift the way you all put that show together. It felt amazing. And honestly, there were, I'm a huge fan of, of Lance's content and all that he's doing, but there was a few, there were a few moments where I was like, how's this going to work? You know, cause I know he must have like a largely male audience and it was just so, it was so gratifying to see you be able to come through and be you and make that emotional connection happen for all of us, male or female, or however you identify, like you could not, not feel the emotion that you were bringing to your, to your role on that, on that stage. It was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. I did. I did cry for those listening a, a few times because this is women that were my teammates and I've raced against my whole career and are still racing. And just to watch this iconic swear word race happening, you know, with all the swear word words, I was like so excited because I'm, you know, this is what we're building to. And it's only going to get better, Kristen. Like it's, it's just going to keep building. So we're at this pinnacle point where thank you to bringing me on the podcast for this reason. But if we keep talking about it and keep doing this, you know, watch the farm. And that's where we go into like watching the farm, which is this whole this hashtag watch the farm. And I worked with Swift on that, creating that hashtag. So I'm very proud of that on my outside of cycling roles. But, um, but you know, it's just about the more people watch women's sports, the more women win. And I think though, that segues into not only cycling, but also professionally and careers, politically, everything. So the more we cheer on women and watch and show up for each other every day, the more women win. And that's super exciting to me. As a person who's been a media practitioner and now on the, you know, the side of the marketing and branding that I do, I will say, you know, before I was uh, in, you know, on the marketing side, I was a journalist and pitching stories to Velo News and like hearing over and over again, like, Sorry, those we just don't get the readership. We don't. And at that time, it was print. 
so long ago, but um, it's so, I do feel like we finally turned the tide and a lot of the athletes in recent years have been saying we need visibility period, the end. And honestly, when you look at the last couple of years to now, you all were right. It was literally about getting the attention, getting the camera time. I know we're not totally there yet, but I will say, I think that that's a huge reason why this big page has turned and the world stage is here finally. It's like we finally got equal airtime and Zwift actually with a four-year agreement to sponsor this event was like, we're making this happen, you know? And and I feel like it's just such an exciting time for a first year event to be that successful though. I mean, come on, you've been, you've been in this world a long time. You must be a little bit like stoked and surprised that it was this smashing success that it was. I think though it does take, so for companies or CEOs or thought leaders and leadership listening, it takes companies to actually believe and invest and execute and kudos to Zwift for not only putting the dollars in for this commitment, but also carrying it through and making it a noteworthy campaign with these new rules. And it's different than the Tour de France editions that I have raced in the past. You know, this was, you know, had all the coverage that we needed, you know, give or take. I mean, there's always room for improvement and there's always going to be naysayers. We always can get better, but that's life. You know, we, we perform better, but with Zwift saying, hey, we're showing up four years, not only the Tour de France Fomavex Zwift, Paris-Roubaix, and we're making this the real thing. And this is about new rules. And then, you know, the first rule, watch the FOM, you know, like we said, the more we watch, the more women win, you know, keeping it fun, showing the camar- like camaraderie and and like, that's what like good business though, too, like enjoy your job, like show what's like the story behind this perfect looking thing. And then, you know, and how bike racing is evolving, like bike racing doesn't have to be, I don't know what I can say on this podcast, so I'm not going to say, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be just like one color and one body type racing up that, you know, it can be women and and however you identify everywhere, bike racing is evolving. And so like rethink how you think what like cycling looks like. And then to the athletes, I mean, these, these athletes are showing up, like you show up to work every day and everybody listening to this shows up every day, which is actually really hard to show up is hard, but then you need to ride like the entire sport depends on it. Cause it kind of does, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we need to ride hard and show that just like fun banter racing that's super combative and like what women's cycling is. And it doesn't have to be men's cycling, but it's a beautiful display. And like we talked about at the beginning in my, I like to express myself. It's a beautiful expression of our sport and it can be unique and it can be fun and vivacious and raw and feisty and everything you want. But, you know, it's just really exciting to see. And, and back where you're saying like with people that didn't invest in it, we, we love companies. I, I do race for specialized currently and I I love it. And when companies put dollars behind what they're saying, not just like say it. And so with, with Zwift did that as well, where visibility is viability and, you know, you and I have been saying this for years, but somebody can't tell me women's cycling isn't as interesting as other forms of cycling if they can't watch it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I got so emotional on the podcast is because I have been in those races. I have risked my life and limb for you know, 20 grand, 30 grand, whatever it is, but not worth my life (laughs) racing on these roads. And it's glamorous and it's so fun. I mean, by glamorous being super not, but it's what I wanted to do. And that's not a 
an apology, but if no one can see it, you don't see what's act like you, you, that goes back to that visibility is viability. And I think that's where companies need to circle back to. And they, they know this inherently, Allie, you know, it as much as I do, like they know that people are wired to love story. Mm-hmm. They have to see themselves in the story, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot there in terms of like, I watch, I've watched, you know, men's level racing for years and years and years. And I still get emotionally attached to that. But it was like just discovering a whole different and equally impressive and exciting dynamic with this event and also being so proud of the world stage. So a little side note, when um, (laughs) the first Perry roubaix Mm -hmm. um, with Lizzie Dignan, my daughter came upstairs right at the moment she crossed the line. And I was just, she's like, mom, what's wrong? I was crying And I was like, come here and watch this. And she's not really into watching this kind of stuff. But like, she just like looked at my computer and looked at me and looked back at the computer. And I was like, you don't even know what a big deal this is. Like, this is a watershed moment. And you're like literally walking up to see this woman, like cross the finish line, bloody hands, red fingernails, like class on a bike. And it was just the best. And like, that's what I wanted more of in in uh, the Tour de France Femmes that you brought to life for us and in your commentary and all of the, everything that Zwift did to bring it to life. And it felt even more powerful than that every day. It was so cool. Anyways, I just love it. I know we're gushing about this, but there is actually like a huge amount of reverse engineering that went into making this happen. It was a huge undertaking, very well thought out. It was super, I say credible because like, I think a lot of people were like eight days, why not 21? It was a hard ass event. I mean, watching this suffering that happened every day was amazing. And I just can't wait to see like what's going to happen next. So can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek? They just revealed the route. Um, You've talked with us about the new rules and I love seeing like the activations and the creativity at Zwift. And it's awesome to hear you're part of that, but that's part of the inspiration today. I think for everyone listening is like, this was a heavy lift. And what's the next trick? <laughs> How do you top this? <laughs> well, I think you have to, you know, to to make it have longevity, you have to do it again. And I don't even know if it has to exceed expectations, but you need to make it a consistent form and a consistent pillar in our sport and our industry. Mm-hmm. So that would be my first step. Um, We've done a lot of good evolution, I guess, in women's cycling with minimum pay. If you're on a women's world tour team, there's also now maternity leave, which is shocking, which had never occurred before. But these women where we were racing, you know, scared to want a family because you lose your paycheck. And so things are getting buffered in where you're watching athletes that had said prior to this tour de France that they were retiring and now they're staying longer because they're going, they're getting paid better and they have security for maternity leave or other injuries, which I think is really amazing. And then I, I think with Zwift's help here, we're setting a precedent that women can have these pillars of cycling with glorious coverage and the advertising. And then really it's about, we were talking about fandom, which I think your listeners would be interested in, but I mean, you guys already know it. And it's a word that gets thrown out a lot, but that is something that I really wanted to focus on with the move was not just talk about, we love Anamique. You know, we all knew she was going to win. She's an amazing athlete. Kudos, boomstick all the way. But also like tell stories about other athletes that are domestiques, they're working, you know, and 
you're not the CEO of your own company without this whole team behind you that is making what you do look successful. So I think if we create those stories, show that authenticity, vulnerability, and what these other, like what, who these people are, I think that will increase our sport. So I think that is how we do it because we watch football both now, right? Because we got soccer going on and, you know, football. But you don't all just pay attention to the quarterback all the time, right? So how do we keep telling those stories in cycling? And I, I think cycling does actually a pretty poor job of it, but we're getting a little better because we understand that there are so many personalities and amazing people in the sport that can really promote your products, promote this like sport, get more people on bikes, et cetera. So I think that's where it's going. And it's really exciting to keep increasing that like equality in pay, equality in prep, like participation. I don't think it has to be necessarily equal distances. Like you said, like I've talked to a lot of the athletes. It's not our, it, it's most people don't need it because let us just express our sport like the way we want. Like, but anyway. Yeah. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Verity Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022, right before the Sea Otter Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a, a very special consumer event. And to have this right before it is huge. We're gonna share all the details on the 2023 Summit in a very uh, near-term episode here and watch. Uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint, but I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. You know, one thing that just popped into my head, the men's Tour de France focuses a lot and so does the, the Giro and, and the Welta on the location and the wine mm-hmm. and the food. And the femme brought the people more so than that. That's so and I good. really, and yes. I think that that actually is something where the tail can wag the dog with what the men are doing. That's so good. I love it. Well, I watched really it, too much of it. <laughs> I watched every single second of it and it was Maybe. like, I'd gotten married four days before. So <laughs> I watched a lot, but no, that is so, you're so right. It's so about like, it's so much about the people, but so many of the people that just tuned in to the Tour de France Femme FX with this year. I was just checking my head. It was still this year. Um, <laughs> they had they don't know the players yet, and they got to meet them. Mm-hmm. And isn't that beautiful? It is. Like by the end of the move, Lance is like, "Oh, where's my girl Cecile?" Like I had him obsessed with Cecile because I'm obsessed with her. I am too. I know, right? <laughs> She's the cutest. And so I'm like, but you know, he's like suddenly like, "Oh, where's our girl? Where's our girl?" You know, <laughs> come yeah. on now, where is she? You know, but that's what that's fandom right there. It's just yes. he cared about her, even if it's eighth place, it's winning, it's crashing, you know, and that's what you want. You want to meet the players and those players inspire the next generation because it's very cliche, but if you can't see it, you, you you know, you're not, you can't be it right. Like you want to see it. Absolutely. And so if you were to go to the, we're going to have all the links, but if you're looking at, you know, the new rules and looking at the splash page that you sent me, the photo shoots, everything is a thousand percent about these women. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you're, tu- when you're tuning in, you're watching different vignettes as the race is unfolding around these women. And I just think you're like looking at all of them and they look so approachable and they look so like us, you know, yes, many years younger than I, but like it, the, the way that they're marketing it is genius. And I really also have to say the race director, the moment, one of the moments that I saw on, on uh, Twitter that made me almost cry. So it's Marion Roos. Is that, am I saying her name correctly? I just think she's yep. so amazing as a, you know, sportscaster and former cyclist herself, but the, the shot of her out of the top of the sunroof leading the start of the race. I can't even say like, that was one of the most powerful short videos I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, and I know. She's incredible. Not, she went big. So did you get to, have you gotten to meet her yet? I raced against her. Yeah. Okay. She raced you know her. Uh, for France when I was racing over there. Um, we're about the same age and um, her partner is uh, Julian Alaphilippe, by the way. Yes. And then as far as the Zwift marketing campaign, brilliant, been super excited. So I just want to give a quick little like shout please, out to Kate Verano. Oh my goodness. She's just the, she runs the side of Zwift um, so impeccably and gets to travel around and and make sure everything's in its right place. But this is her like heart and soul. And for a strong women, like female leader to show up and be there every day. Um, so props to her to, to make sure it was about the women. Like, yes, we can present her ideas, but her to make sure it happens and executes. So Kate, Kate's amazing. You should probably have her on the podcast. Slight plug. I would love to. And also she did this without a blueprint. That's mm-hmm. the part that blows my mind. And I think there, you know, she also launched it omni-channel for the first time. Like this isn't a hundred year old event, you know? And so I just feel like the whole thing was groundbreaking and it was a true like pioneer effort by so many people, but I really am just I couldn't stop. I just couldn't wait to get you on. And I can't stop talking about it. And I apologize. We do have other things that are tied to this mm-hmm. to talk about that are really important. But really, at the end of the day, anybody listening today, whether you're a CEO, a sales leader, a marketing person, whatever your role is, an athlete, this is a testimony to being able to like launch something at a pretty precarious time economically and globally that really turned out to be successful. And it felt very consumer-centric. One of the other things I want to say is it was absolutely so heartening to see people showing up physically every day at the stages. Oh my gosh. And and that was something that we couldn't have, I don't think we could have predicted that, but boy, did it bring a lot too, because that fandom in Europe, you know, was really amazing to see. So anyways, I, I just feel like more coverage on this is needed, even from like business analysis standpoint or a marketing campaign standpoint, because what was done here was truly groundbreaking. It really was. So hats off and a a big thank you to you and all of the other journalists who covered it, as well as Zwift and just everybody who got behind this, which is it's just very exciting. So knowing all of this and knowing you've been at kind of ground central around all of this, let's talk a little bit about this crazy year that we're getting ready to step into 2023. How is it 2023 yet? I have no idea. Uh, Everybody loves to talk about the great acceleration of COVID and for God's sake, it's it's true. Like everything is just moving at lightning speed. So you've been on, you know, many sides now of this equation. You've been a pro athlete. You've been a pioneer in gravel. You're a broadcaster. You have your own brand. You've also held this amazing career, as you've said, through the whole thing. You have a lot of different dimensions. And you're also just, I think, very prolific in terms of building a community online 
And I think you have a lot to share in terms of what you're expecting through all the incredible, insane changes that are happening in Q4 2021, 2022 <laughs> around social media and where communities are gathering. So I'd love to just have you like cannonball into that. <laughs> oh, I'm just jumping in the deep end here. Um, yes. I didn't I didn't mean to be a social media influencer or a specialty in that at all. I am trained in biochemistry. Um Obviously, those listening, I am much too gregarious to sit in a lab. So I think I just broke out of the lab and found bike racing. And I think as we look at this year and into the next year, I mean, things are very, there's a lot of unrest. I mean, politically, socially, we're in a recession. You know, finances change every day. Home prices change every day. It's it's really stressful. And we've been saying that now for, goodness, over two years. That it's just, we don't know what's happening or possibly much longer, which may not be new. But so what I would speak to as a personally, I'm an athlete and dare I ever say an influencer, but I guess I have to. And as well as managing social media content creations for really big billion dollar companies. And that's my other hustle. So I can do this strategic thinking, but when we look every day, we can be very frustrated because there's a lot of changing social media landscapes and it changes day to day. So I don't even know if we want to start with Twitter because it looks like doomsday all the time, but I still love Twitter. <laughs> Let's start with Twitter. And here we I are, December 1st of 2022. So if you've been living under a rock, Elon <laughs> Musk has entered the building. So yes, tell us where you are with Twitter because you have the best Twitter feed. And I, I just love, you're the reason I'm on Twitter. I just love following you. <laughs> Twitter for me though, is just like a riff, you know, yep. and, and unfortunately to all the whatever news things it was, and probably still is because I think I follow reputable news sources was like where I get my news. And then I just like banner with friends and find funny jokes and find trends. But I'm a millennial, so TikTok seems just like a little hard for me to do. And I don't really want to like be dancing in a mirror. And Twitter is just like, where, <laughs> like it's exhausting. Yeah. And so I, I, you can follow me on TikTok. I think I've posted once and I think it's just a picture. I don't know, I don't know how this works. But Twitter, though, I, I think it's a really cool platform for banners, sharing stories, commentating. And then, you know, once we hit 2016, things started just starting like there's like a toilet bowl was going. Mm -hmm. But my like my basis is I keep it positive. I'm kind of ignoring whatever dumpster fire is going on in the moment. And I'm going to stay present there. And I, I have faith that it will stay. Um, it has a specific demographic. It's not it's it's interesting for brands because it's very easy to share on Twitter. Retweet. Yep. Like you don't even have to say anything. Right. And then I do just like these little smug, funny, like one-liners, my friends say, which yes. I like to kind of know what their dog just did or like no picture, no art, just words. And I like words. Yep. I so, do love it too. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens with Twitter. In my demographic, not a lot of athletes are very active there. They usually use it as a segue platform for other social media outlets they're using, but it's there and there's an audience and it's super fun. And I think it's just fun to do comments and engage and banner and people get to see it. Like, I think that's like kind of, Ooh, that like you're saying it's about the people. It's like a fun way where, you know, if you comment back and somebody follows you, they can see you commenting to me. Like that's a fun dialogue. I guess it is. It's it really is. Cool. It's a hub. And, you know, you are working with brands. Are they pulling back at all? Are they waiting and seeing, or are they still just like kind of going like gangbusters with Twitter? 
Uh, most brands don't require me to do anything on Twitter. I post it on my own free will uh, because okay. I love it. So that's why you probably like my Twitter because my Twitter is just very much me. Like talking about my husband doesn't like like me in a swivel chair because he thinks I'm going to like launch myself into outer, uh, like outer space, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> or like just snarky things like why is this gravel race that it's only men and no women are invited yes. or, you know, I just do like one liners. Yes. And then like funny. Instagram requires me to have a cute picture or, and it's all meta owned now and the algorithm, which then we can dive into because that's a whole thing. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. So I think what we're dealing with now is as these big conglomerate companies are melding different social media platforms, the younger generation is looking like we were talking about the Atlantic article that today that came out is like Instagram is now ick is what the Atlantic is the Atlantic. So give it, give it a little grace there. Um, mm-hmm. I love Instagram as well. Um, it's much different though. I'm learning now. I don't need to post every day. I used to have to post every day to gain followers. And now I'm noticing due to the algorithm and what since it got acquired by meta it's changed. And so I think for athletes and influencers, it's about strategic planning here and we are in a recession or whatever. And the market's super saturated as well. So influencers there's a lot of influencers out there that are getting paid. And then if you're listening and you're paying for influencers, you got to figure out what you want. You don't, do you want to go for the mega person or do you want to do some bu- bunch of like micro influencers that have higher engagement? But in, like Instagram is beautiful. But I, I would, I personally, this might be polarizing, which that's okay. I, I wish I just went back to pictures. Like the reels are exhausting. But if I don't post a reel, my feed, like my friends don't get to see my feed. Yeah. You know, and I have like 70,000 friends on Instagram, but like my right. actual friends don't get to see my feed. So I have to post a reel every now and then. Mm-hmm. That is frustrating. So it's, it's almost like we were talking before we um, hit record about staying true to your building your audience and how you built your community. Like, how do you actually get around that? So I'm not sure. I think, I think I've done it relatively successfully, but I think as a company, and as an individual athlete influencer, both, I think this stands true for all parties involved is to understand what you want. And I, I have looked at some posts recently that have super high engagement. That doesn't mean likes. Mm. It means engagement. And I think engagement is genuine. It's not bot engagement, right? It's not yes. DM me for, <laughs> yeah. but if you can do something on your platform that you choose that you enjoy that in increases engagement and is actually giving something back to your community. And you can then take something from your community or enjoy that they're appreciating what you're posting. That is, I think, where you're winning because that's where you're converting sales. You're introducing a new product. You're increasing brand awareness. But right now, what I'm noticing on Instagram, that doesn't mean likes. But engagement, I've seen being quite good if you frame it right. So it goes back into that strategic planning. And then we all have this. And if you're an influencer, an athlete with a, or a company with a mission and vision statement. So you go back to who you are owning your truth. Like who are you? If you're insert company here, lifetime fitness, if you're, you know, specialized Patagonia, I don't know. I'm just dropping names, go back to who you are. And then you ask yourself, are you owning your truth? Are you being authentic? Are you being vulnerable, like, and then like state, like telling stories. And then if that aligns with your mission vision, I think you're doing a good job. And then we do need to stay agile though, is my second point is just then to stay agile in 
how this landscape is evolving. But also, like, look at what they happens in the Super Bowl commercial. Like, people pay all these money, all this money for yeah. the Super Bowl commercial, and then the lights go out and like, what was it, Oreo or something does like one tweet and it just, yeah, you know, Genius it's just being moment. aware and staying yeah. agile, but then staying who you are, right, and showcasing that because that's beautiful. And I think right now, like more than ever, we are entering a social media climate where people just want truth, authenticity, and beauty of who you are, who I am, who they are. And we want somewhere safe to go to have dialogue and to see beautiful expressions. Right. It makes me worry, Allie, about like the ownership of some of the platforms, because I think that that's the spirit that you've built your community and many other people have too. And also I think just feel like you belong and like, Hey, we share support for this person or this event or this brand is it's a key part of who we are in terms of our, um, how we spend our evenings, weekends, like our free time, just engrossing ourselves in our passions. Right. But when I think about the way that they're running their algorithms and trying to make you know, monetary gains because these are not for, you know, nonprofit businesses that we're talking about. Which is um, totally fine. They should yeah, be for profit. That's fine. Totally. And I just worry about like, it feels to me like we're turning a page there too, where it might be more challenging. And as a person who's really worked hard to create a great following, are you worried at all about the algorithm changing how you can access your people? I am concerned, but... Ultimately, I going back to owning my truth, if I am doing the best I can, I don't want to have to play around that because I have enough life stresses, which should not be social media. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. We have a world that we want to keep the climate nice and I want to recycle and I want to ride my bicycle and I want to inspire more women to get on bikes, you know, like. So that's why I've I've now been playing around with taking a couple of days off. And I feel like the engagement even increased though, if I, you know, but because before, so it, it doesn't worry me because the solution will present itself to reach that community. However, I did get a message from a dear friend that I work with a lot and collaborate with who's amazing. And he's like, dude, why don't I see your stories anymore? I was like, I see your stories. I guess I like you better than you like me, but, (laughs) but like, it is weird though, that my stories aren't pop. Like, isn't that like, it's, it's hard though. Yeah. And then if my paycheck like does depend on some of this reach and engagement. So that's where I would challenge though, when we look at engagement or how companies interact with influencers and athletes, and then what that ROI is. And then we didn't really sign up for this. And, uh, but to also give each, each side of the equation a little grace in there, because it's really stressful to present yourself a certain way on the internets with a bunch of internet trolls or people with no names that just, I don't know, tell you your blah, blah, blah. And then your company expecting you to do this. So it's, it's hard on both the company because we need ROI and KPI, like, you know, you have to report back to your manager and your KPIs. And then the athlete sometimes just wants to go and shred. Yeah. And so that's what we talked about. This last thing we hadn't talked about was just like with athletes, some of them aren't great at social media and that's fine. Like they Mm -hmm. have an art and that is how they express their art. And it might not be into making just super rad YouTubes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love that you said that because I, that's, and we want to discover these 
you know, these creators in their, the way in how they create and have it be authentic to their brand. And that's something that I think that you really wanted to make sure we talked about today. And it almost is a little bit of coaching, I think Mm -hmm. is, is staying true to your brand, whether that's you as a person or a brand that you really care about or work for. I really do. I agree with you. I think the solution presents itself when you have that there. Yeah, I do. And I, I also think brands have a great opportunity to provide resources to help an athlete if that's what they want. And they come, you know, we have the videographer, what would you like to do? This is our budget for this project, you know, or, and then vice versa. But I do think when you're looking at budgets, not only do you sponsor or pay an athlete for a post, but maybe you pay for a project that they're passionate about. And that's how you get out their true self and their expression of their sport, where maybe they don't have to act. They're actually just being raw and vulnerable and shredding or whatever, you know, like, I think it's, I think though, to tie up our social media, it's changing every day. It's just like the freaking Hawaii volcano right now, right? It's just, there's all sorts of magma going everywhere. But what happens is, is we, if you stay authentic and back to your mission and value and what you want to do, and how do you open up yourself to share that story it could be quirky, it could be dry, it could be funny or tear jerking, but that's how you showcase your business through your athletes and your athletes will feel comfortable doing that as well if it aligns. Then just be agile with how this social media whole space changes. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I think everybody has gotten a PH effing D and being nimble and agile the last three years. So yeah, exactly. Let's right. It, let's put our experience to work. <laughs> I don't think I've sworn on this podcast yet. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am too. I know. And we actually, I mean, it's not like I have a rule against that, but I'm proud of us for staying. We're staying doing great, somewhere. Kristen. We yes. are winning. We are winning the day and we're going to see each other, which is exciting. Yes, it's good. So let's talk about, I, I really feel like you're opening up here to maybe share a few of your important projects that you'd like to have everybody learn about and hopefully follow. And we're going to provide all the ways to do that in the notes, as I said, but tell us what you're doing going into 2023 besides shredding, enjoying riding your bike, getting more women on bikes. Like tell us about some of the projects you have going. I don't really shred. I just call it riding. Um, shoot. I had another thing to say, but it's okay. Um, I am just super excited to be in this space. I fell into it just in a beautiful way, um, which you can never change for the world. Like you never knew when you took that left turn that you would end up here. But I'm very proud to be in the science and endurance sports space. Um, I love storytelling. Um, My husband and I started an LLC. It's my job. It's his job to manage me. So he he has a full-time job, so it's exhausting for him. But (laughs) When, when during COVID, when people were making sourdough bread and latte art, which I'm very jealous, I'm not not that good at those things. Um, we started an LLC to raise money to get more diversity, quality, and women and girls on bikes. So we have a scholarship program. It started out as selling bandanas and has grown much more. So stay tuned to our website as it's getting a lot larger, but behind the scenes right at the moment. But we've awarded I don't know over. $20,000 of scholarships. We started here that's in NorCal. Yeah. Just selling bandanas. Who thought? Wow. <laughs> I know. That's Thank you. Awesome. You bought some bandanas today. I did. They're super cute. We'll put the link. She's going to give us the link really quick and then I'll put it in the show notes. 
I just Google Alison Tetrick bandanas and like and you will find it. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> um, also, but there's other ways you can get involved. We've done several um, scholarships there to NorCal High School Cycling League was our first one, which is to their grit program. GRIT, but it's girls riding together. So I've gone out and camped with the girls and I thought I could mentor, which I have. I was at Sea Otter this last year, Kristen, and some of my scholarship recipients were winning the mountain bike race at Sea Otter, ah, which is so, so cool. cool. Wearing oh the gosh. bandana and, you know, Camelback gave them swag. You know, they have the bladders and the hydration packs and specialized gave them kit. And, you know, so all my sponsors came in and, and gave basically five for the first round we did, but it was super cool to see her at Sea Otter. And I'm crossing that bridge, you know, the tire bridge. Yes. And I'm like, it just looks like Allie. And I'm like, won't you? I'm like, how was your race? She's like, I won. It's like, oh, oh. you did. But <laughs> racing, awesome. like racing bikes, as you all know, is super um, exclusive and very hard. It's a very high level of entry. So it's about getting more kids, more girls on bikes and just increasing, increasing the opportunity for people to get involved in our kind of dare I say, elitist sport and having a safe place for people to be. And we've expanded that in working with Outride as well as a Lifetime Foundation. We did a project with them at Unbound and raising money there. And then to counteract that also, we did a scholarship program and funded a bunch of kids to, to race bikes in Emporia, Kansas, where Unbound is actually held. So it was super cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's full circle because that was a very important point of entry for you and gravel. Yeah. <laughs> Unbound was where I started gravel and I just, I got my thousand mile club this year. I am so proud of that. And yeah. Christy Moan, and you work with her quite oh, a bit, I but yes, she's amazing. I, I said though, once that she married me and then I realized that people thought she actually married me and I was like, no, she officiated my wedding. So <laughs> we're awesome. close over here. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a true path burner and yeah. I'm so grateful for she is very a talk about courageous. I mean, there is only one Christy Moan. <laughs> I know, I know. So basically, I think the the follow us, like you can follow me on social media. I'm pretty easy. My name's Allison Tetrick with one L and it's like Tetris, but with a K. <laughs> um and same platform on everything, but just think about like as a brand, how to uh, just support people that support you, find your community and cultivate that community. And there's content, there's performance, there's community. There's so many different aspects a company can go. And then just going back to the overall purpose and building that purpose into your plan. Um, and I think not only does that better do better for the world, which makes me happy to do what I do. Like if mm -hmm. I ride a bike, I feel like I'm pedaling with a purpose. If I showcase a brand, I make sure I believe in that brand and they all, they believe in me. So That's, honestly, there's a lot of evergreen tenants that you're talking about here. And I always, I always love to think we're the special snowflakes in outdoor recreation. We choose to be in this industry. We're not like, you know, raking in the cash working in these industries. We're working in these industries and in, in this business community because we love what we do. And we we're with people who love what they do. And when we bring new people and we get to experience the joy of falling in love with it all over again. And even though everything is like a whirling dervish and a blender all around us, and it makes it hard to budget and plan. I love what you're bringing up. It's it's the evergreen tenets of like what makes these passion-driven industries and communities. And I think if we can stay true to that, we can figure out all the all the WTF in terms of the platforms, you know? And WTF is watch the farm. <laughs> yes, there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, just remember that your presence is your power. Yeah, I love that. And being truly present is something people can sense through your content. So I think that's great. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up here today? Like I knew this was going to be great. I was having a pretty like difficult, busy week after the holiday. And this has just been an uplifting, awesome experience. And I hope our listeners have the same experience. Thank you so much for bringing the joy and the levity and just the power that you have, Allison. It's wonderful. It really I have is. joy to share. And when I have heartbreak, I'll let you know too. But okay. um, <laughs> no, this is just a very powerful community that we are building and continue to build and support. And it's just about giving your self grace. We all talk about suffering and grit and all that BS. Um, let's see, I didn't swear again, but it's, it's though also about the grace. Like I think sometimes we glorify the, the trudge more than we acknowledge the beautiful space we get to be in and to share these stories and meet like-minded individuals. Um, so I'm just super happy to be here. So thank you, Kristen. Oh, thank you. And more to come with Allie in 2023. We can't wait to see. All right. Thank you so much. It was just wonderful to have you here today. Thank you. If you liked this episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast, please help more business leaders find this resource by going to iTunes and leaving us a positive review and also sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Verde Brand Communications for being our presenting sponsor. Check us out at verdepr.com.